It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. John Von Coble in studio. So is Curtis Terry, former runner Rebel, one of the voices of Rebel Basketball on radio and a co-host of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show, which will be starting up inside of the next month. Site TBD, day of the week TBD. Actually, it's going to have to bounce around a little bit early in the year because of the aggressive non-con schedule, especially on the road for the Rebels. DeMont's here as well. It's Cofield. We're on in Reno, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get to it. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So a story comes across about Utah and the football team and that every single player on the team via NIL just got gifted a new truck. Uh, let's see, what was I reading earlier? I think these trucks, the MSRP is... 61000 Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, 61000 For every player on the team, and I'm just going to make this point quickly, I told you so. I told you so. Because I made the claim about three years ago that everything was going to change in college football and college basketball in terms of balance and more teams and schools being able to come to the table because there's money everywhere. But in a lot of places, they just weren't willing to openly cheat now you can cheat, and you do it under the guise of, hey, it's an advertising deal. Everyone's got money, and Utah wants to win. This is a hell of a gift to all the players. Cam was out to I'm pushing $6 million if they drop from the lease of these vehicles, yep. and you get it for the whole time that you're eligible. And remember, just two years ago, the allegations were, the claims were, actually uh, less than two years ago, that Dalton Kincaid had been approached, the Vegas kid who was playing at Utah, their tight end. And was made an offer of a million dollars to switch to another school in the SEC. I will not say what school, but their coach's name might rhyme with Dick Babin. <laughs> wow. When Kevin really went after him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, what's your read on this? Uh, this is great for college football, right? Um, I would be really irritated if I was one of these students. What? Wait, How do what? I tell which one's my truck? Oh. What, is, what is the the, the parking lot in front of the facility is going to be a nightmare. You get red, black, or white. <laughs> like it's how of us are getting cars. What if we're all using them? You got to beep your horn the whole time to find out which one's yours. Oh, but it's cool that they got them. Yeah. So, devil's advocate. Uh, what <laughs> yeah, about, yeah what someone it, who's <laughs> happy about getting a free truck. What about the basketball players? Do you think men's basketball is going to get trucks too? I mean, you, there's fewer players on the roster. Do they get, do they get I want more. I don't know. <laughs> I want more. I think there's less of us. That's a Craig Smith question. Are you going to win? You got to earn back the trust. I mean, if I believe me, if Utah boosters and business owners in the area are going to do this for the football team, which is high achieving and has had a really good track record, Craig Smith can do it again. Well, I say again because they, they were doing it years ago under that Coach K, and then everything fell apart and a bunch of transfers. But eh, Craig Smith's good. I think they would support basketball just as much. Oh, I think so too, for sure. I, it, this is going to be interesting. It's going to open Pandora's box because now everybody—I mean, everybody's associated to a car dealer. Um, what school is going to go out there and do the next thing and, and get them all? Well, I mean, they're doing it—they're doing it. They're doing it I'll, sorry to cut you off. They're doing it on a small level in football with really expensive cars with running backs and quarterbacks. Yeah, right. I mean, some of the the, the ride I did I think Spencer was, Rattler got a G wagon, right? Yeah, no, I think they all there. Yeah, there was. There was a group of there was a team. I'm gonna look it up now. This is, is right? hardly this is hardly the only team that's given out like cars to multiple like all yeah. either all the kids or a vast majority of them. But you're right. Like right. I think 
the thing was Spencer Rattler either got a G-Wagon or him and the offense got G-Wagons, whatever it was. But, no, they're handing stuff out, like, to these kids down. Well, I think BYU had already, two years ago, they offered uh, every player on the team, including walk-ons, got at least 35000 or the, you know, equivalent to education. Right. So... It's got to be. It's got to. It, and the thing has got to be the next creative way to, to be creative and to be catchy, mm. so that way it kind of entices that next group. Because now if I'm a recruit, I'm thinking, dang, man, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll go to Utah. I'm, I know I'm gonna get a car. Well, we could pull back the curtain on this pretty good, right? So for basketball, you saw a lot of weird transfers. Like I'll give you the weirdest one. Caleb Love, oh yeah, who went from North Carolina, was at Michigan for or committed. For, I don't know, two, three weeks, a month, and then, you know what, I'm going to go to Arizona. What do you think happened there? Hmm. Nothing. Arizona's on the up and up. They always have been. Oh, they I always will be. I'm a loyal supporter of U of A athletics. Yeah. Thanks okay. to the Jet. No, but uh, I mean, this is on the up and up now, though, right? <laughs> it is. Exactly. It kind of is. Yep. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Armando Baycott made the comment. I think it came out today, and he was like, you know, it's like in a relationship. When you, sometimes you get divorced, you split up, and you have a kid together. He's like, so that's kind of our relationship right now with Caleb Love. Like, we're we're still kind of tight. But yeah. You go do your own thing, but I'm gonna see you. I see. I see. You. I'll see you on weekends when we <laughs> hand it off. Hand them off. Um, I should also mention, since I mentioned BYU football, uh, Aiden Robbins. I assume the former UNLV running back got a nice offer from BYU. Wow, he's played two games. He's got ten carries for twenty nine yards. Hmm. So sometimes, when I mean, you tell me, I, you know, and I don't know, I don't know Aiden's financial situation, but man, I'd like to play. Yeah, I mean. or or is one year of like high level achieving and getting you know, whatever it was twelve hundred and fifty yards here is that enough? And hey, now it's time to take care of business and get my money, whether I play or not. It just made me think about. I think Gronk said it the other day, like one of the, the NFL pregames, it's like, could an average person rush for like three yards or for five yards in a football game? No, no. but the, it was all right behind the right line. You could. He's got how many carries for how many yards? He's got ten carries for twenty nine yards. He doesn't play. I mean, I think I can get busted out there. Well, but you're a former collegiate athlete. Also, I'm a little tall for you're a little tall for a running back. I'm, I actually, I'm thick enough now to be a running back. I kind of think. <laughs> yeah. uh, Aiden Robbins is a unique situation. Is I think the question we should be asking is: Is Aiden Robbins effective enough as a football player to be getting time? Yeah. I didn't think he was great last year. I think he's a very straight line runner who doesn't have like a lot of explosiveness. So credit to Marcus Arroyo. Yeah. Who said that recently? Nobody. Except for me, my Arroyo's my guy. And me, Arroyo's and me. my guy. We're we're friends. Like, you know, it, it all started when half I asked the half the ones and twos on this team are good old Marcus Arroyo. Laid the foundation. We're gonna get in a lot of trouble. We step back on campus. Number I'm three. I'm kidding. I'm never going uh, back. Why is the, the NCAA shorting the tran- uh, shortening the transfer window from 45 to 30 days? Why? I didn't really understand why. To be quite honest with you, what is this? Because what coaches are irked? Tough luck. You know what? Co- How about this? How about uh, shorten the coach can leave his job for a better job to seven days? How about? Sorry, you better do it in the first seven days after the season, or you can't. Or how about coaches have to actually honor their contracts? Right. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I don't think the sh- shortening the transfer window. I mean, it's because more so the coach is like, are you going to be here or you're not? So maybe I guess that kind of allows you to shore things up sooner. Yeah. But. <laughs> By the way, this is. I'm saying this on on the side of players. Uh, the school I root for at Rutgers lost two of their four best players right. in May. And one one was clearly courted by UConn, who's like, you know what, we need a shooter. Come here. And everyone's like, wait, he's leaving? In May? Yep. 
it only benefits the coaches in this case. I mean, obviously, they I mean, shorten that window so the coaches can shore up their roster sooner. Mm-hmm. But I thought were, at first the real issue was allowing kids to transfer multiple times or play right away. So they're going to stop that with I, the it, second transfer? I, I mean, I talk about opening Pandora's box. I mean, with this thing is who knows where college legs is going to go. But, I mean, it's transfer windows, automatic transfers. Number two. What happened with Tez Walker? What's his story? So, Tez Walker, who uh, plays for North Carolina now as a wide receiver, had a long and arduous process. Uh, played for Kent State uh, initially, right? He, is, uh, he became really popular because he didn't play during the COVID-19 season, uh, had an injury. So earlier this year, it was announced that he was not going to be allowed to play, uh, that his eligibility was – no, we're not – we reviewed the case for the NCAA. Uh, we have decided that you are not going to be allowed to be eligible. So now all of a sudden on Thursday, they come out and they're like, no, he's eligible. We've, we've rescinded our decision. We've – you know, the NCAA said that school officials, quote, failed to provide uh, new information previously. It's unclear at this point what the information is. How about you just stop being jerks about this and understand what the kid's situation was? Now you've wasted time in mm-hmm. his career. You've wasted time for UNC to not have a talented wide receiver out there on the field. You should have just let him be eligible in the first place. I think the new information was you guys kind of looked bad. In your dying breath, says the NCAA with any power. You look like the big bullies for sure in that yeah. situation. It's very arbitrary. And his, but his situation was, I mean, because his uh, dealing with mental health. I think grandma died, and he was primary caretaker at one point for her. Um, super close relationship. So I, right away, that checks all the boxes. So the fact that you come out and say no, but then three and a half, four weeks later, you backtrack and say North Carolina, they didn't provide us key documents. <laughs> what else could I mean? What is it that you needed that you didn't get in the first place? Right. Everything that we've known about his story. Seems pretty good to me. You're good to go, man. Let's go. You get get a green check for me. And let's see how long the Keelan Boone eligibility thing drags out for UNLV basketball. He's coming in from Oklahoma State and Pacific. Yeah. I mean, again, and some of these things, if you don't have all all these key documents, Mm. I guess it can drag out a little bit longer. Um, I do know the one thing they say is, like, every situation is different. So I understand that, and you want to explore it and make sure kids just aren't bouncing around. But where are the guidelines? Where are the protocols and parameters of how we decipher what's what? Obviously, they know him, but I don't think the issue is I don't think the public knows it. And so then when Mac Brown makes his comments, well, is he being a bully or being sour, or is he just pointing the finger because you guys are actually wrong with the NCAA? Number one. John, you and I didn't talk about Aiden O'Connell, right? Uh, no, I haven't seen you. What did you think? Well, you did. We just didn't talk about it yesterday. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, I did see you yesterday. <laughs> I totally forgot. We did three hours. Um, <laughs> Very memorable day. He wasn't good. Okay. I mean, I, I he think, struggled. He yeah. had a PFF rating of thirty nine eight. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL. I think it's also in that week. He's also a rookie, a fourth round pick. What? What are you talking about? I assumed that everything in the preseason would translate one one to one to the regular season. Yeah. Shouldn't we? This is the future, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Devontae Adams says he's a believer in AOC. Are you sure he's talking about Aiden? I think he's talking about the other AOC. Well, I, th- <laughs> I really like what she's doing in her district. It's, it's, it's Aiden O'Connell. But as the leader of a team, you have to do this. Oh, for sure, 100%. Can you imagine it? Imagine if after Adams complained two weeks ago, he's like, I don't have time for this, for this losing. Josh Jacobs said he's all pissed off. You know, it's depressing losing games like this. Imagine if Adams backed it up and he's like, this rookie sucks. Yeah, I mean, what's left <laughs> of his confidence? You got, you've got to try to, to boost it up. But, I mean – Gotta, you kind of feel bad for him in this situation. I mean, Devontae comes here thinking it's going to be one thing. It's clearly another. A little bit of bait and switch. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> – I just – So, Mo Moten, who tweeted this out, right, NFL columnist over there uh, at Bleacher Report. So, he slugs a tweet at the end with, please stop the Adams wants out stuff. 
If you honestly believe that Devontae Adams like woke up after the game was like, man, that kid's got some real potential. It was just a rough day. Ah, that, that's fine. Like, what, what are He's you doing? His job, doing? right? Of He's course. Doing his job. Because, like you said, there's no way that Devontae Adams would come out and go, "Did you watch?" Because he sucked, and I can't do this anymore. Like, no, of course he can't do that. If you are a content creator on an NFL team, especially the Raiders, you don't have to be a fan. Stop, please, please. Come on, back one of your guys. Do it, Mo, my good personal friend, Mo Moten. Mm-hmm. I will back Mo. I want you to because He's your he friend? is a fan. Yes. I'm <laughs> saying say it again. What? He is a fan. Okay. He's a fan of the team. What's wrong with that? Well, because you shouldn't take at face value what guys are saying. You honestly believe that Devontae Adams thinks He's, the AOC's going to He wants to be here. Mo said I, this a couple of weeks ago. He said, hey, I, these are just my opinions. He said, being a reporter and a journalist, that's a very hard job. But these here, these are just my opinions. Right. Okay. Right. Well, his opinion's wrong if you're if you're using Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah. If you're using Devontae Adams' comments to say, stop that he wants out of here. No, I think Devontae Adams goes home every day and asks himself when he looks in the mirror, why did I ask to come here? Yep. You've got to give it to Devontae by stepping up and he's backing this kid. I mean, that's yes. that's being a leader. Yeah. And he's he's obviously gonna extend his career by doing this. But that's you have to take that route, especially when you are the star player on the team. Because if you don't, you think this is bad. It can get a lot worse. Yeah. I'm all for honesty, but frankly, Devontae shouldn't have said what he said two weeks ago. I know you're frustrated. Josh Jacobs shouldn't have said what he said either. That doesn't help the team. Um, you know, when you're a high-dollar guy on the team, you got to be a leader. I'll also counter with, with Devontae. Dude, you, you had to know in a little way what you were signing up for. And especially, you knew Derek Carr. You knew Derek Carr. There had to be a small part of you that was like, Oh, man. I hope Derek doesn't go full Derek when things go the wrong way, because he went full Derek a lot last year. All right, rolling on towards uh, what I think is a really interesting game between the Commanders and the Bears. Uh, It certainly involves the interest of this show, because we've got a big bet on the show of Jordan Love against Justin Fields and their PFF rating at the end of the year, and it's been kind of topsy-turvy recently. Neither one of them has been great. But it's a long season, and they're both young guys. Uh, But tonight features Sam Howell and Fields, and Fields did look like the old Justin Fields from a year ago when he was really dangerous in this last game. Did you see anything in that game with the Bears and Denver where they ran stuff differently to help Fields, like they seemed to do last year and they hadn't done at the start of this year? I mean, it seemed like it. I thought they were moving him around more, getting him out yeah. of the pocket more, and giving him easier throws to make. So okay. it seemed like they were at least putting him in a path to success. Let's talk Raiders and uh, NFL in general. Stanford Route is up with Cofield and Company. Stanford. What's going on, fellas? Happy to be back on. Happy Thursday to you. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. We were just having a discussion about Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams uh, made a comment this week, you know, supporting Aiden O'Connell. And Aiden O'Connell was not very good in his first game as a starter. Um, a reporter slash fan ran with that, and they're like, see, Devontae Adams is happy as a Raider, and he's ready to move forward if it is Aiden O'Connell. I think Devontae was doing his job. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> I mean, it's nice after a bad game, a rookie quarterback needs to have one of the best receivers in the NFL give him his support, right? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. That was the situation where Devontae Adams does not want to make a, a story even bigger than what it already is. I don't think Devontae Adams decided to leave Green Bay to go to the Las Vegas Raiders all to be toiling around in mediocrity where it seems like he's having a merry-go-round or a carnival of of quarterbacks that's going to be thrown to him. He wants to have a solidified starter who's going to be one of the upper echelon quarterbacks within the league. So, obviously, this is something that he did not – that he did not sign up for, but he knows that he's being paid handsomely because he's one of the top receivers in the game. So he's not going to allow the media to make one story even bigger by him saying, well, you know, I really don't want to be here if we're going to have uh, some rebuild with some rookie quarterback. He's not going to do that because obviously, like I said, he does not want to create even more of a story and even more of a distraction right now than what's already going on inside those four walls. So Stanford, this is a great example, right, where people are riding up over Aiden O'Connell in the preseason that like, I let, we always say, right, I pump the brakes, it's just the preseason. So what did he see? Like what, what changed for him that was different that caused preseason Aiden O'Connell to shrivel up and, and fly away in the wind and have really purely right, rookie O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell <laughs> play, a, play quarterback? Oh, uh, well, for one, didn't that guy that the Raiders drafted in 2014, I think it was number five overall, didn't he play in that game yeah. for the Chargers? Yeah, he did. Yes. Didn't he have like six sacks? He did. So I'm pretty sure that probably had a lot to do with it. <laughs> um, uh, that's for number one. And then obviously we already know that once you get to the regular season, teams are actually running their defenses. They're not going to be vanilla. It's not going to be watered down. And this being his first real game action against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then you see the final drive where they're trying to run the pick play right down there in the corner, right by the end zone. And then Asante Samuel Jr. is able to jump in front of him and then pick the ball off and essentially put the game on ice. Justin Herbert, who's playing quarterback for the opposite team, he actually played all four quarters. So it's definitely a different game than it, when it is in the preseason. So for an Aiden O'Connell, yes, he, he played good in the preseason. Everybody's thinking, oh, my God, this guy, he really has something. Let's see what he's going to be in the regular season. But we both know that it's not necessarily like that. And given if he has time to throw, and obviously more time to learn the offense, study defenses, and become more astute within his preparation. Who knows what he could be, but I think last week was very difficult to evaluate just simply because, for crying out loud, one guy, who was a former Raider, by the way, had six <laughs> sacks in a game. Let's build on that because DeMond went to the All-22 and for us yesterday broke down all six sacks. Your conclusion on the six sacks and whose fault it was? Kalumak is very good, but on at least four of the sacks, Aiden O'Connell was holding the ball way too long and wow. thinking too much. I think that uh, there's a lot of truth to that. I think also, I mean, what I'm seeing is Kalumak is also being able to get in there rather quickly, and the offensive line, who we already know, was not exactly a juggernaut coming into this season. They simply weren't giving him time to throw. And whenever you have a younger quarterback, the run game has to be better. The defense has to be better. The offensive line especially, you got to protect that young guy the same way the 49ers do with Brock Purdy. So there's a myriad of people that you can point to for the offense looking like the way it looked on Sunday. Stanford, do you feel for MD Mark Davis? Let's go back a couple of weeks ago. I think he was really worked up that the Steelers took over the stadium. Then he goes into friendly confines at SoFi, and he's got Raiders fans there screaming at him. And now he's going to come back this Monday, and I think it's going to be freaking Lambeau West. Oh, uh, there's a good chance it might be. And, yeah. and 
whenever you're dealing with the city of Las Vegas, it is a city that obviously I think has what maybe about half a million people as far as residency. And well, wait, wait, a wait, wait a second, wait a second. We're at we're at we're at two point two million for the area. Uh, Las Vegas proper is at like six hundred thousand, yes. but continue. But, yeah, that's what I mean. Las Vegas property so, proper. So about okay. okay I'm sorry, six hundred thousand, not half wow. a million. Steve so it's not a big big city like Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Phoenix, Philadelphia. It's not a big city like that. So you have a lot of people that go there to visit, to hang out, but okay. you don't have a lot of people that live there. And with it being right there, smack dab in the middle of the desert, Sin City, if you will, you're going to have people from all walks of life. And so having not having the home field advantage as one would love to have. It's not something that's completely out of the realm of possibility. So, yeah, there's a very good chance it'll be Packers West on Monday night just because everybody loves to travel. Everybody loves to go to Las Vegas. And those types of teams, Pittsburgh, uh, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, those types of teams, yes, their fans travel well. So it's very, very possible Likely even, I hope it doesn't happen that you're going to see a lot of the green and yellow sitting in the stands at Allegiant Stadium. Also, Stanford, so Steve, like Steve asked, like, do you feel bad? No. You chose this, right? Like Mark Davis, like when you're talking about going out to Las Vegas and when you're expanding and, and you have a new team, that's one thing, like the Vegas Golden Knights. But when you're just changing markets, like you run the risk of that happening. Yeah, you definitely do run the risk. But you can look at certain teams that may move to a different, a different city. Or you look at the Houston Oilers becoming the Tennessee Titans going to Nashville. You look at the Baltimore Ravens. You look at them being the previous Cleveland Browns. You look at things like that, and you still have a nice uh, a nice hub of a fan base within that city. But because it's Las Vegas, and it's a city that a lot of people want to travel to just to party, to hang out, just to have fun on vacation, you're not necessarily going to have that, 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 that hub of fans that you would in a lot of those other football cities because they're not big cities. And you look at the Los Angeles Chargers, the Los Angeles Rams, you look at the Miami Dolphins, those cities that have a lot of people that visit there, they even struggle to a certain degree with developing a diehard fan base. So I get to what you're saying to your point. Yeah, it's kind of something that you bought on yourself. But when you look at the fact that they weren't able to get the funding, they weren't able to make things right with the city of Oakland and to be able to have a new stadium, Mark Davis felt like his hands were kind of tied and he had to make that move. Stanford Route is with us. He is the host of uh, two award-winning podcasts. I give him the awards. Uh, Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman and All Facts No Cap. Um, I have to loop you in on a discussion we had right after last week's spot because we talked about your last podcast was with dating expert Katie Clark. Oh, yeah. Then yes. John looked her up. Then he made the statement during the break. He's like, he's like, well, she's kind of attractive. Maybe we need someone less attractive giving dating advice. <laughs> then he looked at me and he said that I'm a three. So my question out of all this is, does a dating spot with someone who's attractive and then yourself, you're an attractive guy. You can still run like a four, six, five. You're in shape. Does it really serve people like me who are threes? I mean, do we need a, we need a different expert? Like, what do you think about this? <laughs> Too much? Uh, I would go ahead and I would equate it to this. <laughs> Who is the what what head coach in NFL history has the most Super Bowls? Head coach. Yeah, I guess Belichick, right? 
Bill, Bill Belichick. Did yes. Bill Belichick like play in the NFL or did he even play mm-hmm. college football? He's getting to a good point here. So you don't have to be somebody that's uber attractive to get dating yep. advice. Linda. So Linda so, is so, his. So, oh, she's so, Linda's very attractive. Wait, no, but hold on. So, I'm going to interrupt so, you, Stanford. Hold so on. No, so, so he's no, right. No, he's it's, not. It's personality. Stanford, no. It's personality. You brought the one. Belichick's got a good personality. He also had the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, that's the point. He exudes He had confidence. the attractive dating coach. That's like Bill Belichick's not going to tell me what he's talking about. It's like Stanford, world-class sprinter, just telling me, just run fast, John. Like, no, it's not that simple. But some of the best, some of the best coaches have also been people that didn't necessarily do it at a high level, or they, or you know, being the it. most pretty. So I understand <laughs> the logic. I get what I get. What y'all are trying to say, yeah. I would just simply push back and say that there are people who are successful that did it. There are people who are successful that didn't necessarily do it, but mm-hmm. they're a good coach. So I think that uh, it really cuts both ways, and there's no one specific way that it has to be. There's no one specific path that has to be taken for it to be done. I'll just go ahead and just say it like that. Demond, you've got like 40 seconds here. Can we do it quick? What do you do about a player like Jerry Tillery who just constantly finds himself in PIs? And Stanford, we're out about 30. Oh, man, I think uh, you got to go ahead and put the boxing gloves on him uh, during practice, try to go ahead and eradicate that out of his game and try to just go ahead and work through it. Because, like I said, those things are going to happen. But as a as a as a as a player, as a fan, as an evaluator, you much rather have a guy playing too aggressive than not aggressive at all. I'd rather much rather pull you back in or rein you back in rather than try to entice you to be playing tight coverage and aggressive. Stanford, we appreciate it. That was excellent. Thank you. You guys be good. Talk to you next week. I was going to say, get all the boxing gloves and beat them up. <laughs> make I sure think that was. <laughs> make sure he doesn't do yeah. it again. Give him the business. You see how I set that up? You see what I do for the show? I, I repeat that you said I'm a three. Right. Then I call Stanford a very attractive man, and it's all to set up you then screaming about Bill Belichick. Dynamite. Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, last half hour of the broadcast, we head off to Thursday Night Football Commanders and the Bears on the way. Brad Powers is going to check in. He'll give us a Thursday night lean or like or nothing. He might just say, you know what, I don't like the game, and then we'll go through the college football slate with the expert up on Twitter, Brad Powers 7 or bradpowersports.com. Okay, so we got this bet going on the show, Love and Fields. So we're definitely going to be watching the Bears and Fields. You got a feeling on this game? You got a lean, a like? Um, nothing strong. Uh, I do have it in the uh, Super Contest. It is. I have the commanders. The, the models spit out the commanders as the biggest edge of the week. So What was the edge? Uh, I, so the, the, the number I put out on Twitter was 14.8 points. I did update the model uh, just to see if there was going to be a difference. I, I did some tweaking. It went down to like 11.4. So it's still. So you have a seventeen-point swing on this game. Seventeen-point swing. Yeah, you don't you? Oh, I'm sorry. You did have the. I, I was reading it the other way. So you have the Commanders by eleven. They're favored by six. Yes. They, I looked at the yeah. Bears as the team with the. I was like, did I miss 11. something? No. <laughs> that's still. I mean, that's a gigantic gap. Oh, of course. Yeah. So we'll see what it is. Again, the process is just whatever the edges spit out. We're going to play them. So, hmm. um, hopefully, obviously, I hope it's right. But I didn't have a personal strong opinion. I can foresee a scenario in which this defense makes Justin Fields' life a living hell. And they kind of revert back to, you know, subpar Justin Fields slash offense. But I don't feel strongly about it. Come on. 
After watching the game Sunday where the Eagles played the Commanders, the Commanders looked pretty darn good. They kept it close. But, hey, I got to back Justin Fields no matter what. What about the Bills game? Did you watch that Commanders-Bills game? <laughs> don't worry about that. They <laughs> ran into a bus stop. That's fine. <laughs> don't, 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 that. that. don't worry about that. You throw out the worst. You yeah. throw out the best of the worst. Don't worry about 25% of the sample size. Just don't worry about that. <laughs> but you can't throw the bill. What do you mean? You got to take it into account. I mean, really, yeah, you they do. were dreadful against an elite team. Come on, football's just weird sometimes. Yeah, football's just weird. So you know what? It's not changing anything. I'm still taking the Bears. I mean, I was trying to set up. The, I was trying to give myself like the. I'm not just taking Justin Fields because of the bet. But you are. But, yeah, I am. Forty-five percent of the cash is on the Bears. Thirty-seven percent of the tickets are on the Bears. Uh, that means something. Does it? It really doesn't. No. When As you say all the time. Depending on the source, you don't know how much money is being bet on this. Your your uh, your guy who used to work at Vsin has really gotten into this, putting up the uh, the betting disparate sp- the the, the disparate uh, yeah the betting spreads, but being uh, big gaps, big gaps. Uh, ben Fox, people like it. Oh, I like it a lot. Yeah, but as you do, you think it's like a complete non-factor? No, I I think it I think it is an interesting note to see like where everything is shaping up. I I disagree with with people who believe it has predictive value. You know, a lot of people will say if it's lopsided to one side, then of course that side's going to lose. Like, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And especially, you have to also consider some of the shops that you use for some of the money. You know, for example, uh, there are some shops who have either very much restricted, limited, kicked out, respected betters. So is it really respected money coming in on the other side? Like, like there's a lot more factors in, in play than yeah. just, hey, the public, quote unquote, likes one side. Public week five NFL sides. By Ben Fox. Mm-hmm. 93% of the money is on the Dolphins. 88% is on the Bills. 81% on the Lions. 79% on the Jets. 79% on the Niners. 79 check that, 76% on the Titans. Go the other way. John, Guaranteed 6-0. John Von Model's got four of those this weekend. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Just John Von Model's I got always, four of those this weekend. I always like this when I hear this with what we would discuss and what I would hear in sports books, from the unheralded grunts on the line, like I was a ticket writer about twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and the notion was, man, if if the public keeps coming up and betting this team over and over and over and over again, you're like, I ain't betting that team. But again, it has no that that has that's just as scientific as these numbers. It's not predictive in any way. I think you 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 find what you look for. So when people think, hey, the public's always wrong, and then when those really public sides lose, then it's like, ha-ha, see, I told you. We don't talk about the other games, like five others, that cash when the public had lopsided action on So DeMond in breaking down the All-22 on Khalil Mack's six sacks, he found what he was looking for. He wanted to find AOC. Is that what you're saying? Maybe she that was there? Wasn't. Aiden O'Connell. Oh. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyer. 766-1400 is a number. Offices in Henderson and Vegas and Reno. Dial 775 in the north. Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, time is short. We got Thursday night football coming up. We were just talking about uh, betting splits. We bring in Brad Powers, Brad Power Seven up on Twitter. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, as always. Brad, when you see the betting splits put up, like we were just reading betting splits on the uh, Bears and Commanders game, and then. Uh, a guy that John used to work with, Ben Fox, puts up you know the biggest betting splits in the 
the assumption is, oh, well, if there's you know 93% of the money on one side, uh, that's all fans. They're morons. you got to play against that. Uh, so I, I got into that when I uh, you know first moved out here for a few years. I tracked all of it, all, you know, all the sites show betting percentages, would do like an average and would we'll, we'll try to get a consensus you know betting percentage and all that and the money this way. I'm here to tell you after three, four years of doing that, uh, it was all a bunch of nonsense. So uh, I, I don't pay attention. When any, anybody says betting switch to me, I, I, I don't. Uh, it goes in one year out the other at this oh, wow. point because, okay. because I lived that for, literally for three, four years thinking, hey, maybe there's an edge in this. I don't think there really is. And keep in mind, whenever they're saying betting splits, it's just that individual book. What kind of book is it? Do they kick out all the people that, that were semi-sharp? So a lot of it, there's so many different variables that it just it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, Thursday night football, I won't do the splits. Uh, commanders are laying six <laughs> against the Bears. The total's 45. What do we do? I didn't do anything with this game tonight, believe it or not. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little expensive on the Washington side, but it's very tough to, to bet the Bears at this point. I mean, obviously, they, you, know, you make a strong case that they're the worst team in the league. So, as I'm saying, that looks like a little bit of money just hit the market on Chicago. Uh, about four or five books just went to five and a half. Did you have money on Sam Houston State and Liberty tonight? I did. Uh, horrible. You know, I always talk about good numbers. How about horrible numbers I took on Sam Houston? Uh it was like 19, 19 and a half. Uh, so that, that's what I bet there. And the market closed 21 and a half. So how sharp am I? Yeah, I mean, you could have even gotten 22 at some books. Uh, right now, it looks okay. Uh, I, the, the thing I regret is I wanted to take you over. Uh, it, I saw some things from Sam Houston State's offense last week against Jacksonville State that, that I thought they turned the corner. And obviously, so far, so good on that regard. The, the over looked like the, the correct side tonight. Yeah. Well, last week, that was kind of interesting. They had scored 10 points all season in three games, and they bust out in an overtime game for 28. So have we have we changed yeah, our opinion on their right. offense, or they, they still stink on offense? Well, I mean, tonight's kind of showing that it might be more of, you know, what we saw last week, 21 okay. and a half time last week. Got 10 right out of the gate in the first quarter. So um, maybe they're finally starting to come alive here. And keep buying, I mean, BYU's pretty decent on defense. I mean, that was their first FBS game. Last I checked, Air Force is really good on defense. So, uh, you know, a lot of it was, you know, they, they played a pretty tough opening three slate of games. Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Boy, uh, Gundy, hmm, interesting. Uh, Kansas State is 11 tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's kind of pricey for a road fair for a Kansas State team that, you know, offensively sometimes can be, you know, don't necessarily play with tempo and whatnot. So I think back against the wall for Oklahoma State off a of bye week. I, I bet the dog plus 12. I'm still with me that way. You can find 11 and a half still. What do we think of Nebraska uh, tomorrow night, Big Ten Friday night football, getting three and a half at Illinois? Yeah, I think both uh, team seasons online uh, tomorrow. Uh, I, I'll take the hook in a low-scoring game. Give me Nebraska plus three and a half, but yikes. Uh, <laughs> Illinois, that was – for Bielema to lose to his assistant in that manner, in year one of Walters going to Purdue – getting crushed was a very, very ominous sign moving forward for the Illinois football program. I, I like to ask you about situational handicapping at times and how you handle it. So what do you do with these, I think some handicappers call them these dream crusher scenarios. What do we do with LSU after losing to Ole Miss and taking their second loss? Case-by-case case basis. I, I talked about dream crusher last week with Clemson. They yep. look fine. Uh, so yep. I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm old. I, I'm 20-some years removed from college, so. It's tough for me to put myself in these college kids' shoes. Uh, I feel like it's two generations the way society's moving. So I, I don't factor them in too much. 
Uh, LSU, yeah, Dream Crusher, but I mean, they got to save the season at this point. I do like what I'm seeing from their offense. Uh, just defensively, they're historically bad as far as LSU standards. Money is cut pouring in on Missouri. I mean, unfortunately, another bad bet I made. I, I bet LSU early in the week. I still lean that way. All right, what about the Red River rivalry now? Uh, it's been pretty much sitting at five since it opened. The total actually has been moving everywhere. Open 62.5, went down to 58. It's up to 61. What do you think about this? Well, I we did see Oklahoma money today. That was yep. as high as six and a half today, uh, and down to five. I think that's peculiar because it's the biggest game of the week, and Thursday is traditionally the day where the market opens up their limits, where you have no problem getting six figures down on this game. So I find that peculiar, especially on a day that it was announced that Texas is outstanding. Uh, tight end is going to play after getting hurt last week. Uh, I like Texas, so I'm going to fade the line move today. I'm going to lay the five. I trust their data points more than I do Oklahoma's at this point. Did uh did something happen news wise here with Alabama? It was at four. Now we're down to pick. Uh, yeah, rumors about Jalen Milrow, uh, obviously tweaking his hamstring. So that's been the move there. Uh, also, I mean, everyone reacts to the uh, you know, oh, we, we open this. Well, sometimes they're bad openers. That's why I bet fifty of them a week. Yep. Uh, they shouldn't open four. <laughs> I can tell you that. I mean, my number was two. So. Uh, of course, you know, not that I have all the answers. I just said I made a couple bad bets already this week. But more often than not, I'll, you know, I get in front of the market. It just was a bad opening number. Uh, so I, I wouldn't make in too much of that. But uh, as far as the move here the last 24 hours, it was basically rumors. Uh, I'm hearing rumors of the tweaked hamstring. But I got other people telling me different that uh, Milro took all the first team reps today in practice. With USC on the horizon, Notre Dame this week at Louisville, six and a half. Really tough game. So there's three factors in play here. Number one, Notre Dame was severely compromised at wide receiver last week. Four of their top five wide receivers out. They get two of their, their top two guys back this week. So they should be in better shape there. Number two, I am worried about Notre Dame's, uh, you know, just energy level because this is already their seventh straight week of playing. They opened the season in Europe. So, I mean, they're, they're in a very, I mean, the, the team that, you know, they played in Europe, Navy's already had two buys. Notre Dame's had no rest on top of it, back to back, 60 minutes all-out effort games against Ohio State and Duke. So big-time negative as far as I'm concerned, as far as the energy level for Notre Dame. The problem why I haven't got to the window yet on Louisville is I don't think Louisville is that good, and a lot of their stuff hasn't aged well. Had to rally from behind to beat Georgia Tech. Well, Georgia Tech just lost to BG last week. Had to hold Indiana to a goal-line stand to beat the Hoosiers by seven. I mean, Indiana almost lost to Akron and then fired their OC after they got crushed by Maryland last week. So that hasn't aged well. And then last week's game, I mean, Brennan Armstrong screwed that up for NC State. You don't believe me? Believe the coaching staff. That's why they benched him, because uh, Louisville should have lost that game. And Armstrong, uh, if he doesn't have a couple turnovers, uh, NC State beats Louisville. Brad Powers on fire with the analysis. At Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, Brad Powers Sports is where you get his uh, advice and packages. Uh, more Big Ten here. Ohio State's laying 20 against the uh, fantastic Tongue of Ilo. He's not better than his brother, but Maryland's pretty good. Are they? I'm not sure yet. They haven't played Uh-oh. anybody yet. Uh, five games in the season. I mean, who they played? Virginia stinks. Indiana stinks. I mean, that's the two power five opponents. Michigan State's the other. I mean, no, all the turmoil there. So, I don't know, Charlotte and an FCS opponent. That's pretty weak strength of schedule. Buckeyes off a bye. I like the Buckeyes. But let's go derivative market because I'm not wild about laying 20. Uh, let's go 10.5 in the first half because there might be a shock to Maryland system because – it's such an upgrade in uh, you know, the level of athlete they're going to face uh, on Saturday. 
I am a big fan of big fellas. So Iowa's backup for Cade McNamara is 260 pounds, Deacon Hill. Uh, laying two and a half against Purdue. Uh, there is good feelings right now around Purdue. Uh, what's Iowa going to do in this game? You know what? I think the market is overpricing the worth of a 50% healthy Cade McNamara. Because that's what I said this a couple weeks ago. I think people cringed when I said, I'm worried about his health. Uh, he doesn't look healthy. I think he's going to get hurt. Well, what do you know? Two games later, he gets hurt. Uh, shouldn't have been out there, in my opinion. So I don't think, I mean, the market's down. He's worth, I mean, I know this open, but I'm telling you, if he was healthy, it wouldn't open even four. It probably would open six or so. Iowa favored. Well, McNamara, to me, is not worth three and a half points. So let's go ahead. This is the type of game where Iowa thrives. Just win the line of scrimmage. Just wait for the time for Purdue to commit turnovers. And they've done that in a lot of games this year. Uh, Hawkeyes for me, minus two and a half. All right. Peacock landed uh, really the game of the week. Um, this series has been crap. Four and zero for Wisconsin. Thirteen and a half against Rutgers. Uh, I like Rutgers. Uh, very sharp uh, market influencer beat me to the punch on Rutgers plus fourteen. I think that's the play there. Statistically speaking, I know Rutgers hasn't played that tough schedule, but uh, they looked apart on a slow tempo game. Uh, as far as limited possessions, I, I'm always going to look more towards the dark side. Is this a buy low spot for Baylor, who's a one and a half point favorite at, or excuse me, underdog at home to Texas Tech? No, I don't think so. I mean, buy low would have been when they're trailing thirty-five to seven <laughs> in the you know in the third quarter against UCF. Uh, that would have been a nice buy low spot to take them on the money line in that game. But um, no, I agree with the money on Texas Tech. Uh, I'm not buying Baylor yet, just because you know they made a big uh, come from behind win. The sexiest matchup of the weekend. In Laramie, Wyoming, Fresno State, one of the best run defenses in the country. I like Fresno State a lot. What do you make of them on the road against Wyoming? I love Fresno State. There's a big battle in the marketplace. Fifty-fifty guys like myself, you know, are either on Fresno or Wyoming. I think it's not necessarily a pro-Wyoming, uh, pro-Fresno State position. It's an anti-Wyoming position for me. It's an overrated team. Now you just gotta ask yourself this: What is the line if Texas Tech's field goal kicker? makes one of his three field goals. He missed three field goals in a game that went to overtime. He makes one of them. doesn't go to overtime. Texas Tech beats Wyoming. Wyoming doesn't have that big upset in week one. And then also, after State two weeks ago against Wyoming, lining up for a game-clinching field goal, it gets blocked by Wyoming, returned for a touchdown. First time Wyoming did that in the history of their football team. So change those two plays. What's the spread? It's probably at least seven, if not more. So, uh, you know, I like Fresno here. And I also like... Whenever I see teams play Wyoming, how do you handle Wyoming? They're different, a different type of team, different type of style of play. Last four meetings, and this goes back to when Tedford took over and then obviously had a year or so uh, there with DeBoer. Last four meetings between these two teams, cumulative score of Fresno State 87-13, to 13, including 47 to nothing in the last two years. UCLA, that's a good breakdown. Uh, UCLA 3 against Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to sound square, square city here, but another favorite. I'm more towards the UCLA side just because uh, I, maybe I shouldn't trust their defense because they haven't played really any offenses yet, but I think their defense is more capable of getting a stop than Washington State. So UCLA for me, minus three. Brad Power 7 up on Twitter, at Brad Power Sports on the web. One last game. We, uh, we're kind of going back and forth with the Pac-12 Dion. or whatever happens here. Um, no. I'm not, doing, I'm not doing that one. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yes. You're right. By popular demand, uh, Arizona State plus three and a half is the play, right, against Colorado? Oh, wow. The play would have probably been, you know, a little yeah. higher yeah. earlier in the yeah, week. It's too late. Uh, Catching six, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think it's the right side, to be honest with you. I really like what I've seen from Arizona State the last two weeks. They have clearly not quit on the season. They're fighting, clawing, scratching. 
That Scadaboo kid does everything for him. Yeah, so Arizona State. Last one, Boise State, nine and a half against San Jose State. Uh, I bet Boise early in the week. Uh, that would be my preference, although tough, tough game. I mean, San Jose State maybe got a good reset coming off a of bye after playing such a tough early season schedule. Brad, high energy, man. I, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. That was excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, as always. There you go. That didn't sound sincere. When I get effusive. No, I really meant it. I was like, God dang, he's like, he's just freaking run a rough shot over me. I set myself up for it, though. By the way, Fresno number one run defense? Oh, they're incredible. I don't believe them. I don't believe in them. They have seven guys back from a championship squad from last year. They were terrible last year on, on defense against the run. You and OB ran for 221 by the aforementioned Aiden Robbins, who you say isn't talented. That's right. One game does define an entire season. I don't know. They smoked him. They punched him in the mouth, and they backed down. So I, I, I'm I, a fan of Wyoming, and, and Brad did mention, hey, they can't defend the pass against this team, but Wyoming, run, power, punch you in the face. I'm looking forward to that game. That's a good one. I like five and a half.